0: welcome to the startup smarter podcast the best audio show for people who are ready to turn their big ideas into big income each week we explore effective business strategies guest interviews and success stories that will help transform the hard grind of starting a business into a smarter and more scalable experience here's your host joe johnson Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Smarter Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Johnson. And on today's podcast, we're going to learn how my guest, who is a woman in her 60s, is crushing it on Amazon with this new trend of creating low content books on Amazon with her side hustle. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss this. But first, it's time for listener shout outs where each week we'll select a random review and read it live on the show. Then we'll take those names and enter them into a drawing to win a special prize at the end of the month. That being said, this week's shout out goes out to Pizio, who writes, exceptional podcast. I thought the information was informative and it gave me a different perspective on how to find the right business opportunity and niche. His examples were clear, relatable, and I was able to clearly see the benefits of this podcast and how it could impact others who are just like me, who have been afraid to take the first step to start their own business. Motivated to hear more because it's time to start that next chapter in life and become independently wealthy. Nice. Thank you, Pizio. That means a lot. I'll do my part and keep these episodes coming for you. Now, if you'd like for me to read your review on the air, go over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave your review there. That's all you have to do. All right, let's get into the show. On today's podcast, I had the pleasure of interviewing Rebecca Holman from RebeccaHolmanConsulting.com, also creator of Journal Tsunami 3.0. She is a great content creator, a great guest, and has a lot of insight to share with you guys. We had a ton of fun diving into her business and learning how she's been able to make a side income with low content books on Amazon. All right, let's roll into the interview. Rebecca, welcome to the show.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: So tell us about your background with online business building and how you became an entrepreneur.
1: Well, it's a long story, <laughs> <laughs> but it all sort of began. I spent 10 years as a research assistant in college for a PhD level psychologist. So I really love doing research. When I say research, I'm an old gal. I'm in my 60s. So research was card files, microfiche. Being up in the library right and once I was working with professor and he got he retired then I moved into the insurance industry and I moved up into my corner office in the insurance industry for a fortune 400 insurance company that had offices here I was in charge of all the CSRs in the state of Montana and I enjoyed my work I also took my research information that I had and I helped move my offices forward You know, with computers, making sure everybody had the latest in computer technology in our offices, making sure people were training. So I started getting that hint of desire to teach people about all this new technology. So I'm talking about the 80s and the 90s here. So, you know, computers in offices other than DOS were all the new rage. And for the insurance industry, understanding the database was really sort of key to being successful in that realm. Well, in 1999, I got downsized, uh, and I looked around me, and I saw Google had just started in 1999. They were a nascent company. And back in those days, you literally could pick up the phone and talk to a CEO. You could talk to Jeff Bezos. You could talk to anybody you wanted to, because there was... It was such a small world, uh, and everybody wanted to know everybody else. We'd go to Comdex, which was the Microsoft uh, trade show at the time, and you could go to these trade shows and just literally meet people who are now famous today were just getting started all back then. So I started working for some software startup companies at that time and cut my teeth on learning the Internet world, learning about Google, learning about search engines, Learning about, it wasn't quite as important as it is today, but you still kind of needed to understand how to search on the internet. You used what was called Boolean search logic, and you can still use that on Google today. Uh, and so mastering those aspects of search sort of put me ahead of the game um, amongst my peers, especially being a woman in a male-dominated world, mostly guys were in the tech world. So I started taking my knowledge of what I was learning online, and I started working for other software companies, working in their marketing department, doing trade shows, taking their technology on the road, and I got to travel around the United States. It was really quite a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I've worked for a couple of different gurus. I did their social media. So you can see I have quite a diversity of a background (laughs) here Uh, because you're growing up in something that's new, right? So everything that's happening, I always say that we are in beta because literally the internet is not finished and anybody who's ever dealt with Facebook knows it's going to change in another three months. Every interface, every image size, all these things keep changing. So you're always in beta. And you literally can never stop learning when you're in this particular rarefied atmosphere. So I worked for a couple of gurus. And after doing that, I realized I was helping all these people become wealthy. I went to a trade show or a trade show. I went to a a conference and these people all ran up to me saying, oh, Rebecca, thank you so much. You helped me so much. And, you know, I'm doing so well now. And. On Amazon and thanks so much for your input and your insights and I realized wait (laughs) I'm an employee and I'm helping these people who are entrepreneurs become wealthy what's wrong with this picture so so I realized at that point in time that it was time for me to sort of go in my own direction and become an entrepreneur and stop trading my time for money stop being an employee of somebody else and start going out and giving my you know teaching people what i knew and that was the beginning of this particular journey that i'm on right now of teaching people low content book self publishing on amazon through kdp we were doing create space last year and create space now uh, was moved over to kdp which if you're not familiar with kdp that's where kindle books come from ebooks and they have taken over the paperback publishing arm which was create space for all these years at Amazon. So they merged into one platform. And it's really wonderful because you can you can create your your books and if you understand the process that I teach, you can also create Kindle books too. Um, you can't create planners and journals as Kindle books, but I show my students also how to take the processes that I'm teaching using PowerPoint to create these books. And you can create kids books. I personally feel that any book that's under 2000 words, I call it a low content book. So that fits in my realm of building out your inventory to have lots of diversity within your inventory. So I think that brings me up to today. I know that's a kind of a winding the road up the mountain. But again, you know, I have a pretty diversified background. I spent, you know, 15 years doing all that SEO and working for companies. And now I'm here today standing before you.
0: That's a very impressive CV, and it sounds like a very logical path to where you arrived today on your entrepreneurial journey. And it's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show, because you seem to have stumbled across something really special with low-content books on Amazon. So what is that exactly, and how did you find that niche? You
1: know Many people are working, are doing stuff on Amazon, and I was really lucky to have an opportunity to, one of the gurus that I worked with, worked with a large training, I don't really want to say any names, uh, uh, but anybody who's in the Amazon business will know exactly who I'm speaking about. It was a, a large training program that cost about $5,000. It, it came out about every six months. And we put thousands of people through this program. And it was a beginning program for FBA sellers to learn how to sell on Amazon. So I cut my teeth for four years working for these gurus, helping literally hundreds of thousands of people and go through our groups and become successful for the most part, on Amazon. So I was cutting my teeth on this whole Amazon journey. And of course, I've been a Prime member since Prime existed on Amazon. So I was very familiar with that landscape. Uh, Once I left uh, working for those gurus, I looked around again (laughs) to the landscape. And Amazon is one of the most amazing companies because Jeff Bezos has given entrepreneurs an amazing opportunity to have a very low barrier to entry. I mean, it doesn't cost you anything to have an FBM account fulfilled by merchant. And to put books on Amazon, it doesn't cost you anything other than your time to put the book together. So you can create Kindle books and you can create print books. Now, up until recently, CreateSpace was the print book book. Branch of Amazon, and they've now merged together with KDP, which uh, originally was where all the Kindle books were being created. So over the last couple of years, I've been creating Kindle books and dabbling in this and that and the other. I'd been, you know, doing print-on-demand, doing mugs and shirts, doing merch. Uh, if other people have not heard of merch, merch is the print-on-demand uh, T-shirt arm of Amazon, and again, also no cost to you to put a design on a shirt. And then if they sell it, you get a royalty. So Amazon has really opened the door for entrepreneurs who can be focused uh, to make some money uh, using their platform to help deliver your products to customers. They do all the heavy lifting. You just have to put the design on something. So low content books have obviously been with us forever Because they're planners, notebooks, journals. Uh, Mead has certainly probably dominated the notebook industry for probably 50 years with their black and white covered composition notebook that almost every one of us took to school as young children. (laughs) So, I mean, they've been around forever. But it really never dawned on anybody to make them on amazon because you know when you're thinking about a paperback book you're thinking about a romance novel or science fiction book and so the light went on in somebody's head saying you know we can make these on amazon on CreateSpace, space and so actually about four or five years ago people had started getting involved in this whole low content so it's not really brand new at all it's been around people have been doing it for quite a number of years i know folks that have about 35,000 books that have been doing this over the course of a number of years. So that was their little secret because the beautiful thing about low content books is unlike a wordy book, a romance book where you have to sit and spend a month or two writing, you know, 50,000 words and then have to edit it and do all these machinations to get the book published with a low content book. You're making basically a lined notebook or a Very simple planner interior. And you can get actually quite complex with your interiors too. Uh, And and if you're focused on a market and a brand, I certainly recommend that you go that route. But putting up a lined notebook with a pretty cover on it is what people think of today when they're talking about low content books. And so that's where the direction that I've gone in and teaching people how to make them.
0: That's that's wild. Okay. So now, does this method only work on Amazon, or have you seen any success on platforms like Kobo, for instance?
1: I don't use Kobo, but Lulu certainly is one that people use. There are ways to go broad uh, and not just be on Amazon. Now, the nice thing about Amazon is it's great for beginners because you don't have to pay for the ISBN. You don't have to pay for production. You basically just have to design and upload. So, and you're also the nice thing about Amazon is you are stepping right into the stream of where the buyers are. And through expanded distribution, your book can be distributed, if you're lucky, to other platforms like Barnes and & Noble's and other places that Amazon has licensed. So there is that opportunity there. And a lot of people like to stay in that comfort zone and just produce books for Amazon. But your books belong to you. So any books that you create, you can also put on Etsy. And with Etsy, you don't have to have an ISBN. So you can create downloadable and printables, which is a huge marketplace on Etsy. Uh, You can uh, create books on Redbubble, there's lots of different, you know, Cafe Press, there's lots of different platforms. I don't particularly use those, but I do know people that are quite successful putting books on those other platforms. So that certainly is Something to investigate
0: now as you're talking I'm a lot of light bulbs are going off I'm starting to see the opportunity form in front of me. Okay. There's an audience here on Amazon They're making the tools very easy for sellers So let's take it back a step and talk about seo for the people that don't know in the audience So correct me if i'm wrong when mm-hmm. it comes to seo the name of the game usually is to understand what people are already buying through research So is there a particular tool or method that you prefer for finding out what people are currently buying to help you inform your decision on whether or not you should enter a specific niche market?
1: Actually, very funny that you mentioned that. I, I just was taking inventory of my tools. I have like 22 tools. Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> <laughs> but I've, you know, I'm sort of a tech geek and I love tools and I like being the first person to use tools and having been a search engine optimization specialist doing Google for so long and helping clients' websites rank on Google, you know, it's just a whole natural proclivity for me to look at Amazon because Amazon is a buying search engine. And so, yes, there are lots of tools. Now, the first three tools that I mostly have my students make sure that they're utilizing, and these are free, are the DS Amazon Quick View, the AMZ Suggestion Expander, and Keywords Everywhere. Keywords Everywhere is basically a SEO tool for Google, but it shows up when you're doing your uh, Amazon's auto-suggest words, when you're typing words into the Amazon search bar. And so it also gives you the Google search results, which helps you see if people are actually looking for those words, because you have to also realize that your books eventually will be indexed on Google. So you do want to make sure that you're using keywords that are relevant to the Google search audience. So there is a meeting of the two algorithms there between Google and Amazon. Now, one of the biggest mistakes that people make in low content books is one, they put out low quality books. They think they can just slap up a book with a cover and be making tons of money. I have 50 books. Why aren't I making $50,000 yet? (laughs) Um, And the biggest mistake people make is they are basically creating very, very generic focused books. And as with anybody who's understanding how to make a website on Google, the more niched down your website is to appeal to specific audiences, the much more successful you're going to be with your website attracting traffic. And the same thing goes for Amazon. If you're making books that are very generic and you have 50,000 competition, the likelihood of you getting found is you know zero. But if you're making books that are much more specific, then you can niche down into, oh, there's 10,000 different hobbies and occupations and all those people need planners doctors need planners nurses need planners coaches need planners teachers need planners how many types of teachers are there science math you know you name it so once you realize that the niche actually itself there's micro niches and within the niche there's more niches you can dive down into that and create brands that are serving those specific marketplaces if you do that then you're going to be much more successful at this journey of making journals on Amazon.
0: That makes sense. Okay. And, you know, as you were talking, I'm sitting here saying to myself, you know what, I've actually written a book, I've taken the time to put down more than 50,000 words into a book, and it was painful, right? And so here we are talking about, well, low content books are not the same as low quality books. And that's a really important distinction to make. And You're sitting here saying, okay, well, you know, uh, teachers have planners, doctors have planners. When a person buys my book, they just buy it one time. But whereas when a doctor buys a book or a teacher buys a, a low content book, they'll buy it again. There's that repeat purchase element there, right? Absolutely. I mean, you buy planners every single
1: year. 2019 is going to be over. You need planners for 2020 and 2021 and 2022. And, you know, so every year you can create planners. The same thing for notebooks. You fill up the notebook. You need to buy another notebook. So if you make a cute notebook that appeals to somebody, a person may come back and purchase another book from you, especially if you're branding it in such a way that people know where they bought it from.
0: I love it. I love it. That repeat purchase. Okay. I'm all in. So let's talk tactics. So I'm sure that the price of your book is important to consider. So what's the average price range that you would advise a person when they're putting together their their books?
1: You know, that's a really tricky question because it all depends on your niche. Uh, Some niches, you know, like yoga perhaps, can handle a little higher threshold of price and also it all depends on the complexity of your interior so Amazon determines the base price of what your book can be published at. So it has to do with length. It has to do with type of paper. It has to do with file size and a few other components. And if you print your book in color versus black and white, if you print your book in color, you're going to have to charge a very premium price for that book, probably too expensive for anybody to want to purchase. So you need to consider the trade-off between color at black and white. Now with black and white most people uh, focus in the six ninety nine to eight ninety nine range for basic simple planners and notebooks and then you can go all the way up to having a more complex interior and I've seen people that are successfully selling books that are very targeted to specific niches that have people in them that have more discretionary funds perhaps and they're making you know their books $19 so looking at the fact that it's a black and white interior they're probably making a $12 royalty on that book. I want to say the sky is the limit, but your niche is going to determine exactly what you're pricing your book at.
0: Okay. That makes sense. So talk to me about pen names. Do you feel it's important to have your students produce content under a particular niche under the same pen name or aliases, or does it not really matter?
1: You know, it all depends. So myself, I have very few books under my personal name, And if I do publish under my personal name, it's very specific to what I'm known for. So search engine optimization, uh, local business. I just recently put out a POD planner, which is for my students. So it's branded to my uh, to my course and uh, but I also put out the pod planners under another brand name too so KDP has some rules so you definitely want to go to the KDP just type in rules for printing paperback books on KDP and you'll be sent to the KDP rule page and they have some specific criteria about things that they'll accept and won't accept they don't really want misleading names and under create space people did get away with naming their books like blank music notebook kdp frowns at that sort of naming convention anymore so you normally can't get away with naming a book so blatantly using keyword stuffing like that. So you want to be a little bit more creative but you know if you're writing a book for Christians you can name it Sylvia's Christian Journals you know or anything like that. If you have written any sort of books and you're using an alias the same conventions apply so you can write under an alias persona using a a regular name like Billy Budd or Jane Francis and build up an entire profile on, on your authors central account using that person's name. You can, if you're writing, you know, urban farming books for urban farmers, you can create an entire alias and persona about people that live on a farm and a ranch in Nebraska or whatever. What I personally do is when I am going to create a brand, I will make a logo and I will also get the URL because if I can get the URL for my brand, nine times out of 10, It's probably not trademarked. So you definitely want to do some trademark research when you're looking at a brand and also look on Amazon to make sure you're not conflicting with someone else's brand name. But if you can get the URL for that, then that will help you because you can point the URL to your author central page at least until... If the brand pans out, then you can also think about building a blog and all these other things, other components that might go into online marketing.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Okay. In your personal opinion, how important are getting reviews for your books and journals?
1: Well, with low-content books, it's a little bit of a different gambit. Now, there's 10,000 ways to skin this cat. There are certainly people who create low-content books and they create one at a time and they want to focus on that one book and build an audience for that one book. There's other people like myself who create a an interior and create multiple covers for that same interior. So I'll create a 2019 planner, and I'll have, you know, maybe 20 iterations or 30 iterations of that, cov- of that planner interior with multiple covers on the front to appeal to different kinds of people. It will be under the same brand name. So when I'm making bulk books like that, reviews are not that important to me because low content books is more about if I have a thousand books and I sell two of each of those thousand books, I've sold two thousand books versus having one book and I'm trying to get two thousand people to buy the one book. Does that make sense?
0: It does. It does. Yeah.
1: So reviews don't come into play as much when you have 35,000 books. I don't have that many, but when you have three or four or five thousand books, a one-star review isn't going to impact your entire business like it would if you only have three or four books in your brand.
0: Okay, I'm with you now. So I know you can't make any promises of earnings, but could you share with us how well some of your students are doing after they've gone through your program and started producing their own books?
1: My students right now are because I focus on research, which is important. Making books is wonderful. Selling books is much more wonderful. <laughs> and so my students are at the point now where they're really grasping the concept of the research and doing it properly and finding untouched niches. And so many of them are now experiencing putting up a book and having it sell within a within a few days of it going live. And that's really when you know that you've really tapped into a good niche like that. Uh, Obviously quarter four from black Friday through the beginning of January into February is when you're going to get all your peak sales. So focusing a certain amount of your books so that they are going to be gift-related, spontaneous purchases that are going to be sold primarily during the Christmas season is one thing to think about as you're building up your inventory. I know certain students who actually just got started who made as much as $20,000 during the Christmas rush because they did focus on really promoting their books the right way. And now also we have the opportunity to have access to Amazon Ads, AMS system, which 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 we didn't have under create space. So even spending as little as five to ten dollars, you can get some rank on your book and get a couple of purchases on your book. So your book at least has sold something, which means that it's going to at least be triggered within the Amazon algorithm versus a book that has no rank at all. Uh, the other nice thing is, is because Amazon promotes books that are created in the last 30 or 90 days and they also promote new releases, low content books cater to that because if you're putting out books every week, then you're always having books that are in the new release area. And so that's also a nice way to work within the Amazon system. So number wise, I can't promise. I mean, I know people that have 35,000 books that make less than people that have 5,000 books because those people that have a lot of books were just making stuff, making books versus the people with the less books were really targeting, focusing and creating books that are of value to
0: the people that are buying them. Okay. So you had mentioned like 35,000 books or 5,000 books it's hard for me to just write one book, right? Yeah. (laughs) So is there like a a process or like a magic system that allows people to create many of these books at one time? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, there's actually two schools of thought, one of which I do not subscribe to and one that I do. Uh, One, there's automation, which some people are using. I do not recommend doing automation because one, I think KDP doesn't like it. Amazon doesn't like it. And you're also putting out jump because there's no way possible that you can really research quality books if you're producing them in large quantities. I know people that are making thousands of books in a week and there's just no way that you can make quality books like that. Uh, I teach my students a four-step process. You research it, uh, you create it, you upload and then you repeat. So it's very simple. And most of my students can go from zero to making a 100 to a 1,000 books in a month. I know that sounds like a lot. But once you understand a process and you have that process down and you use the tools that I recommend, I use PowerPoint then it makes it very easy and simple to create these books at a certain speed and level and also high quality. Many of the template creators that are making interiors for people to use make them using PowerPoint. So it's easy to create your templates in such a way that you can uh, take advantage of pre-made templates for your books and then add to them to make them unique for your own needs so making a hundred books is very doable it's 20 books a day and even somebody who has a job can actually attain those numbers fairly simply and I wanna say my mentor her name was Deb Miller she's passed away now uh, but she was my inspiration she's 62 like I am she worked at Walmart and she wanted to be free from working from Walmart And so over the course of two to three years, yes, two to three years, this is not a get rich quick program. Over two to three years, she worked creating books. She made them in the morning, went to work for eight hours, came home and then uploaded those books that night and then slowly but surely built her inventory so that she was making enough money to liberate herself from her job. And so I have people that are in my course that are 60 years old, 70 years old, 80 years old, are on Social Security, have limited incomes, people who have children. I have younger people who are in their 20s, people who are just married, people who have lost their jobs, and they're taking time every day to upload books and are starting to see some return for that investment of their time faster than they did when they were doing mugs, faster than they did when they were trying to do merch. And so by using certain tactics and doing some very focused creating and branding on your books, it is possible over the course of a couple of weeks and months to move forward towards Q4 to create an income that can make a car payment that can pay for some bills. So that's what you want to focus on to start out with, just making enough to pay off a couple of bills here and there. And then you're getting encouraged. And probably after one to two years, you should be able to have enough inventory that at at Christmas time, you're making a decent amount of money. Again, no promises, but if you stick with it, this is probably one of the easiest programs I've ever had the pleasure to participate in.
0: And I want to circle back around to something you had said, and it's a beautiful thing when you can take a business and it doesn't matter what age you're at, it doesn't preclude you from doing a business like this. You have people that are in your program, like you said before, 50, 60, and, and on, able to do this process. Like, we're not talking about young 20-year-olds in Silicon Valley making apps, right?
1: Exactly. If you can turn on a computer and you know how to cut and paste and you've ever used Word, then you can make these books. My course shows you step by step. And then in our mastermind group, no person's left behind. We help each other because
0: we're walking each other home. You know, we want to see each each other succeed. That's a beautiful thing. So let's say that I'm in the course now. I've made, let's say, 100 books. I'm curious on what the process looks like when it comes to scaling your operations. Is it simply produce more targeted content or is it more so a process of determining the highest converting books and then paying for advertising with uh, Amazon PPC to drive more traffic to it?
1: All of the above. (laughs) Uh, You know, I tell my students that are just starting out, if they've never created a book for KDP, I mean, if you've created wordy books, then you already know the process of how to upload to KDP and all those things. So you already are a step above. But if you've never done it before, I tell my students their first hundred books to focus on making just six by nine, lined notebooks that have no bleed. And if you don't know what bleed means, then you definitely wanna make books with no bleed. That just means your book is six by nine and nothing else. If you have bleed, then there's different measurements that are made for that book. And KDP will oftentimes flag people that don't understand how bleed works. So by getting my students to focus their first hundred books by just making the notebooks, focusing on the six by nine, their understanding process, They're understanding how to create and they're getting faster and they're also learning how to upload with having multiple tabs open in your browser. So understanding those core components in your first hundred books, then once you get to that point, then you can really, you know how to research now, you know what the landscape is like, and now you really can start looking around you and start deciding what brand you want. What is your interest? You know, you know how to research a little bit better. And so then you can really start to focus on going a little bit deeper and broader in whatever direction you want to go. I mean, my students always are surprising me because they are making books that I would have never thought about because their interests are way different than mine are. And so the sky is the limit because literally Amazon is the marketplace of the world. Our books are not just selling on Amazon.com. They're selling in Italy, France, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, Brazil, Mexico. So if you can speak Spanish or you can translate your books into those languages, you can also do that too. So there's so many different ways. The other thing I also want to make sure people understand is low content books to me at least to me and my students, is any book that's under 2,000 words. Why 2,000? I don't know, because that's the easiest thing I can think about. And 2,000 is about what a children's picture book would be. A picture book is 32 pages for a kid. And you can put those picture books on Kindle as well as put them on paperback. So now you have a whole new aspect to your inventory that's still low content, it's easy to make, it doesn't take a lot of editing because you're making very simple books for children or children's activity books. And so now you have a whole nother part to your inventory that you can branch out on.
0: That makes sense. Okay, there's a lot of opportunity here. I want to take a moment and take a step back and talk about you and your business. So when it comes to the continued marketing of moving your business forward, how are you getting new people to learn about your business and into your business? Is it like lead magnet, referrals, webinars? What's working for you?
1: Well, right now, my course is on Warrior Plus not Warrior Forum, but Warrior Plus, which is a platform sort of like JBZoo. And so I have a certain amount of affiliates uh, that are in my marketplace. Uh, I belong to certain groups that attract low content people. And my students also promote my course and people who know me that are in that community. I also have a YouTube channel now under my Rebecca Holman Consulting. And I'm making value-added videos to help people understand the tools of the trade, and I'll be doing more YouTube videos. I also am making small little mini courses. I made a five-day boot camp that was just for my students and people in my free group, and I'll be rolling that out on Podia. Podia is a platform that's like Thinkific. Uh, or teachable. And so I'll be making more mini courses like that that people can also consume so they don't just have to get my main course because there's lots of people who already know how to make low content books. But there's obviously lots of different, you know, how to make an activity book, how to make a kids book for Kindle using these same low content techniques, you know, so there's lots of different opportunities to teach people different ways to scale their businesses. And so as I help people, you know, Zig Ziglar, if I help enough people get what they want, I get what I want. And so by offering quality training to students, uh, no matter where they are, whether they're at the entry level or they're more advanced, then people get to know about me, join my Facebook groups, and we then have fun together.
0: Sounds like a strong marketing strategy. So are there any tools or books that you recommend that have really helped you on your personal journey in your business?
1: Oh boy. Um gosh, there's a, quite a number of quality people that are out there. There's a rob cubbin there's kelly roberts there's dale roberts those are probably the three top people in this low content world that i really super respect that i watch their youtube channels just giving them a plug because i respect them there's katherine shelton who has tangent templates uh, and i strongly recommend tangent templates uh, for all my students to use there's no affiliate link for that so uh, but it has lots of different beginner interiors, plus it has all kinds of other tools for low-content people. And uh, her and her husband are brilliant. Uh, they've been doing FBA stuff for years. i follow followed them for years. Um, and so that's just another uh, person that has lots of information, informative channels uh, that you can learn from. You know, I, I'm, this world is big enough, and uh, I'd share the limelight with any of those people because they taught me what I know, so I'm happy to share their names with folks. Book-wise, Amy Harrop probably is the only person I know that's really written a book about low content at this point in time. Maybe Rob Coven has one, too, but there aren't a lot of books written for this niche at this moment, so if you want to write a book,
0: (laughs) get on it. (laughs) I'm going to start making low-content books. You can convince me. (laughs) There you go. All right, so what's something that you're grateful for that's been a direct result of running your own business?
1: I am super grateful for the fact that I am really able to help people on their entrepreneurial journey. Um, One of the biggest things that warms my heart the most is, especially because I'm an older person, I'm older, 60, 62, I have people that are in my group that are retired and they, they thought they were giving up, right? Because they're on, you know, low income or, or they're on an income that hasn't been able to give them what they want. And they now that they're doing low content, and they have overcome their fears of being able to do this, all of a sudden, they have all these ideas. And they're so excited to wake up every day and they can now share this journey with their own children. Many of them are doing it with their kids or their grandkids because it's so simple to do. Uh, they're turning their kids onto this and showing their kids how easy it is to make a little side hustle going on. Uh, it's It's just warming my heart seeing them come alive because unfortunately in our society, many people who did nine to five jobs, we were under a boss, we were in an employment situation where we really weren't often allowed to use our own ideas. We always had to work within the construct of whatever that atmosphere was that we were working in until we retired and stopped our, you know, work, work a day world. So seeing these older people getting into this and experimenting and seeing a return on their results And every single day go, oh, I have this new idea. I I woke up in the middle of the night and I had this idea and I went to my computer and I put the idea down and I made these journals and I posted them and they're already selling. I mean, that's the beauty of this thing is you literally can wake up in the middle of the night and make a journal that you had a dream about and put it out there and it's published the next day. Unlike writing a book and three months later maybe you're still interested in writing that book. So that is what is warming my heart and is an unexpected gift that I've gotten from teaching this course. So it's it's really wonderful every day to
0: see my students and talk with them. I'm glad that you're out there and making a big impact. So we're nearing the end of the interview, and one question that we ask all of our guests is that if you had to start over from the very beginning, day one, What would be your number one smart tip for launching a successful business?
1: I sure wish I had the internet and Amazon in my life when I was 22 years old. I have some friends that are in their 20s now that are just starting out. And while I can't, of course, tell people not to go to college, (laughs) um, you know, getting in debt is not necessarily the best way to start off life. And so a four-year liberal arts education isn't for everyone. And so if you have any friends that are doing this entrepreneurial journey, You know, this podcast is a wealth of information. I was looking at some of the podcasts that you've done and there's so much information that's out there. Think about looking at your skills and seeing if there's a way that you can find a side hustle that can bring you in some extra income on the side that you can then build into a business that can pay you dividends going forward, giving you joy in your life. I have a lot of friends now that are digital nomads. They don't work traditional jobs they work primarily on their computers they're traveling the world and these are people that aren't just 22 year olds these are people that have two and three children these are people traveling the world with their families and they've just looked outside the box of traditional employment and for the first time in our history we actually are able to pursue those sorts of jobs and literally if you can turn on a computer the sky is the limit So if I had to do it all over again, and I lived in the world today, I would definitely be taking time out of my day if I had a regular job and educating myself on how to have a side
0: hustle using these free resources to get going. Insightful stuff. All right. Again, Rebecca, thanks for taking the time to jump on the show and share what you know. Where can people go to learn more about what you're up to?
1: I'm really grateful that you invited me to come and share my story. And I really am excited to see, I don't care if people join my course, it would be great, but I really am excited to see if people at least take me up on going and finding a side hustle for your life, going and finding something that's rewarding to do, to make your life worthwhile, to wake up every day. That's really what it's about.
0: I hope you enjoyed my interview with Rebecca Holman from Rebecca Holman Consulting and creator of Journal Tsunami. Some of my biggest takeaways from this episode, number one was just her mindset. I loved how she was saying that we're always in beta, which reminds me that we should be flexible and always willing to learn. I like how Rebecca was able to share a real moment with us and how she went from employee to entrepreneur because she had already been helping tons of people beforehand, but it wasn't until she traveled to that trade show that people came to her and thanked her, and she was able to make that pivotal connection that sent her down the path on her own entrepreneurial journey, which is so relatable because many of us are right there in that moment where we know we're good at what we do, but we haven't taken that step to put yourself out there and offer your services and your skills independent of your employer. Because once you do that, good things will happen. Something else that I took away from this episode was I really enjoyed learning about the process of how she creates the journals. At first, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty skeptical on how she was able to produce so many books, but when you strip away everything else, you know, all the complexities, you realize that it's a business that leverages a single template with multiple covers that caters to different niches which allows you to quickly multiply your product offerings and cover the Amazon marketplace with your content pretty quickly. Really smart stuff that didn't even occur to me. You know, listening to this podcast really has me motivated to launch a version of these planners. I don't know what it's gonna be yet exactly, but I'm thinking about putting together something under the Startup Smarter brand that's a daily journal that will help you build the habit of working on your business so you can increase your chances of launching your next product or service. And again, I don't have anything concrete, but I'll tell you what, I'll create a signup page for those of you who might be interested in learning more about this Startup Smarter Planner and put it on the website at startupsmarter.net forward slash planner. And again, startupsmarter.net forward slash planner to sign up to get more details on this planner once it rolls out. All right, and one last announcement. Rebecca was super generous with sharing her time and expertise, and you'll be happy to hear that she left the Startup Smarter listeners with a gift. If you're interested in learning how to create and launch low-content eBooks, Rebecca has a course called Journal Tsunami 3.0, and she agreed to give the Startup Smarter listeners a big discount on her course. And I believe it's the first 25 people get access to the course for just $97. Again, just $97, and you'll be on your way to creating planners and journals that are ready to be sold on Amazon in no time. That's a great offer. As always, I will go ahead and put the link over to this and all the other tools and resources mentioned in this episode over at startupsmarter.net forward slash podcast. And again, that is startupsmarter.net forward slash podcast, and you can find it by searching for episode 009. All right, my friends, that wraps up episode number nine of the Startup Smarter Podcast. This is Joe Johnson signing off, and I'll see you in the next episode.